With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar with you and joining me is one of my favorite football analysts, Charles McDonald from uh, Setting the Edge podcast and Football Outsiders as well and a tormented Atlanta Falcons fan. So he knows a little bit about the Philadelphia Eagles. Charles, how are you? Uh, look, I just got to say thank you to you guys for uh, taking out the Saints. I mean, that was a big win for Falcons fans, especially after uh what we went through on Saturday night and what we do go through every year. So getting a little win like that by having the Saints knocked out in devastating fashion was was good for everybody. It was good for the soul. Well, maybe you can explain to me, Charles, what happened? Look, I I don't know because I actually picked picked the Saints to win that game just because I thought, you know, if you kind of get into a game where – uh, maybe I, I, like my reasoning was, you know, if you have to get into a game where maybe the Saints have to come back, or uh, you're you get into a spot where you you're relying on somebody who's been there and done that, you know, I, I think it, it makes sense to kind of roll with Drew Brees just because I, I thought both teams were pretty evenly matched. Uh, so I mean, I, I I still feel pretty good about my prediction just in terms of what you needed to happen if you're a Saints fan like you need Drew Brees to come in through the clutch for you which he did but then you know I, I, I still don't really know what happened on that last play it was just like a a combination of just an unbelievable athletic play by Stefan Diggs to stay in bounds after he caught that pass and then just you know it, it's it, it kind of sucks to keep ragging on the kid just because he's only you know 21 but uh just like a boneheaded play by Marcus Williams that that was just unbelievably I, I still don't even know how to describe what way he did on that play. Yeah, I'm still baffled as well. And the players in the locker room, that was uh, kind of their mixed emotion was, I'm really happy we won. But also, what was that guy doing? <laughs> there was that sentiment from uh, quite a few players in the locker room after the game. But me yelling what happened at you was more in reference to the Falcons, though. I mean, your your team that you focus on a lot, they uh, couldn't beat the Eagles. And I think that a lot of us, including me, were surprised uh, that I, w- 
I was saying leading into that game, I think the Falcons are a little better than they were in the regular season, that they might be a little better than their record. A lot of their numbers look good, even though they're not as good as they were the year before. And then they couldn't get much going on offense. And I think that that's every Vikings fan's nightmare is going into Philadelphia and not being able to put up any points against the Eagles. Well, hey, I mean, I got to give credit to the Eagles. They do have a really good defense, and uh, that defense for sure came to play, especially uh, after early in the game. You know, Jay Ajayi had that fumble on the first drive, which if you're going to go into a game with Nick Foles as your starting quarterback, you really want to try to get at least a field goal whenever you can. So if you're going to go in there and get a fumble on your first drive when you're in field goal range and give it right back to an offense, you know, featuring Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Devonta Freeman, Tim Coleman – that should scare you a little bit, but the Eagles' defense was on top of everything. Uh, their defensive line played an outstanding game. I mean, Fletcher Cox was all over the place. Uh, I thought Brandon Graham had a good game inside, especially when they, they shifted him down to three technique a lot and uh, just so they could get their other defensive ends on the field. And he wreaked a lot, of, a lot of havoc inside. So I think where Atlanta really lost the game was – uh, they're off their defensive line versus uh, the Falcons offensive line. I mean, the Falcons offensive, the Falcons offense, they had a lot of plays uh, in that game where they lost yardage on first down. So, you know, if you're starting from second and 12, second and 13, second and 14, and you already have a defense that's kind of been bringing it to you all day. Now you, now you really are in a tough situation because you have to throw the ball in the situations. And, uh, you can get guys like Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, uh, Derek Barnett, Chris Long, Vinny Curry. If you give those guys a chance to pin their ears back, they're going to make some plays, and you know that's, that's kind of what happened. And obviously, uh, you, you can make a lot of jokes or be mad about that final four-play sequence at the end, but that's kind of been the Falcon story uh, all year. Close, but just not good enough at the end. You know, I, I've had this thought in my mind that this week is kind of a game where. If you saw a graphic, like a Fox graphic that said keys to the game, and it said run the ball, momentum, and field positioning, we would all just die laughing at it. And that's what happens every week. Those things are sponsored. They have to come up with something. And so they just throw like, all right, uh, running the ball, that's always important. Just throw it out there. And, uh, you know, in this game, it feels like all the cliche stuff is right that field position is going to matter that if there's a single turnover that might be what decides the game special teams might decide it and especially running the ball how did the philadelphia offense sustain drives what did they do schematically that you saw specifically that was trouble for the falcons that allowed them to have especially in that second half two long drives going down the field and really wearing down the falcons defense yeah i think especially in the in the passing game it's not that Nick Foles, his his raw stats look good, but I think they, they figured out pretty early on that Nick Foles was not going to be able to just execute a normal drop-back passing game like Carson Wentz could. I mean, he only missed seven throws, but a lot of those throws were in positions where receivers had to go make good catches on the ball, or he would have players plays where receivers were or open downfield, and you know, he would just, just straight up miss them. Uh, so I think what Doug Peterson did uh, – to make it easier on him was they ran a lot of uh, you know run pass options or RPOs, which is what's kind of taken the league by storm uh, this year, I guess, even though they've, they've been in the game for a while now, people are just not kind of catching up, but they made a lot of easy reads for Nick Foles where they would send, you know, blockers one way and half, they would fake a sweep and then just throw a little slant behind all the, all the action the other way and just 
a lot of misdirection to stretch the Falcons horizontally and then come back the other way. So I, I think that a simplified passing game and a little bit of ability to run the ball is probably going to be their game plan again. I mean, it's not like the Eagles, they, they ran the ball particularly well against the Falcons. They had a 32 carries for 96 yards. There's only three yards a pop, but they were getting to, they were getting into, you, you know, second and medium, third and short uh, situations where those were easy throws for Nick Foles to make. The offensive line, with the the movement that you mentioned, the thing that I really noticed in that game is in the middle, Jason Kelsey has to be one of the more mobile centers in the league. I mean, he was on almost every play, it seemed like. He was flying out on a screen or getting to the second level on a run play or something like that. It, it just seems that their offensive line, even without Jason Peters, it's one of the, the best in the league, and it seems like it's really fit for making up for not having your top quarterback. Yeah, and uh, I think even with Jason Peters being out, you have to give credit to uh, their left tackle. I mean, I'm going to butcher his name. It's like Hollow. Don't even try. Don't even try. You might hurt yourself. (laughs) Yeah, but he was a a six-round pick from last year, and just the progress that he's made from last year to this year where last year looked like he's not a guy that you want to keep on your roster, and now he's stepping in for Jason Peters in a playoff moment, and he looks completely fine doing it. I mean, I think that's a big testament to – they're often the line coaching their player development, but yeah, Jason, uh, Jason Kelsey, he gives you so much flexibility on that offensive line. And uh, there was some question, I guess, with, with Kelsey, if he was going to be able to get back to that form, because he did have some down years, uh, especially a, a lot of last year. And then uh, part of 2015, you know, it, it just didn't look, it, it didn't really look like the chase of Kelsey of old, but now he's back. And if you can have a guy who can go out and get you an extra blocker in space and, get there relatively quickly quickly like uh on a screen or uh you know just even even sweet plays like that that give you a lot of flexibility to go tack the edges of the of a defense which i think is probably going to be their best chance to beat the vikings because i don't think you want to just run straight up the middle at at Linval joseph and uh eric hendricks you probably want to get wide and see if you can get those blockers in space which they definitely can yeah, the uh, Viking give you very few options when it comes to running the ball because if you go to the outside, they have quick enough linebackers and Harrison Smith to track you down. Uh, Everson Griffin is one of the better run-stopping defensive ends. I think Daniil Hunter is better at run-stopping than we give him credit for because we think of him as just a pure pass rusher. And even the cornerbacks, Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes, have been very good at tackling and stopping the run this year too. So when you're, it's almost like no matter where you're trying to go with the run game, you're, you're going to get blown up by uh, this Vikings defense, which is why, in part, they're number one in the NFL. So if you were making, Charles, if you were making the graphic – if, if it was your job and you didn't have a space limit, let's just say, uh, for the pregame show, keys to the game, where do you start with that? Because, uh, I mean, obviously running the ball and, and what they write on those keys to the game, that they, they're kind of obvious things. But in terms of schematics for the Vikings to be able to move the ball on this Philadelphia defense, how would you do it if you were Pat Shermer? I would try to uh, attack the edges of of the defense just because, you know, I I think the Vikings offensive line is obviously a much improved unit over last season, which was just kind of a joke. But uh, still going up against Fletcher Cox and Timmy Jernigan in the middle is a tall task. And I'm not sure if the Vikings have the interior guys where those are going to be matchups that you go in and consistently win. I mean, the Falcons had Alex Mack and outside of Alex Mack, you know, those other two guards just kind of got bullied. Uh, 
the entire game. So I think that that's going to be a matchup to watch. But if you can get to the outsides, you know, the only the only real the only real player that scares you on the Eagles defense, or or I guess the two players would be Malcolm Jenkins and Michael Kendricks. But uh, those aren't guys that I would. That it, it wouldn't scare me enough to not run those plays, but I just think you're going to have such a tough time running up the middle with uh, Jernigan and Cox and when they put Brandon Graham inside. I think it's going to have to be not just running the ball, but running the ball kind of away from those space shooters in the middle. Now, I know that you've liked some of the things that you've seen uh, from Case Keenum because you helped me out with an article that I did. You break it down, some of Case Keenum's strengths, but I, I think uh, we also saw one of the biggest weaknesses that Case Keenum has, which is that he thinks he can make plays that aren't actually there, especially when it comes out of the pocket. He makes great plays out of the pocket at times where he rolled around for 10 seconds and then found Stephon Diggs, but then there was the interception, there was a throw at the end of the game toward Kyle Rudolph that could have been picked off, but it wasn't because the cornerback didn't get turned around, um, but... In a game like this, Charles, I feel like one of the keys to the game is for Case Keenum to play more like Nick Foles did last week, more conservative than he did against the Saints, where I thought he took too many risks down the field. Yeah, I agree with you. And just because I I think when you play against this Eagles offense, you can kind of afford to be a little bit more conservative. And you you just don't want to get into a situation where you look like you know, you're back in Norva's offense, and you're taking seven-seven drops, seven-step drops, and just getting annihilated on the edge with uh, all those pass rushers that they have. I think you know a more conservative game plan, maybe one that gets Case Keenum on the move, like by design, not one where he's just kind of running around with his with his head cut off. But uh, you know, if you can kind of keep a, a structured way for Case Keenum to get on the move, stay in rhythm on short passing concepts, and then just kind of play bully defense on the other side. That should be enough to get you to the Super Bowl, which is, which would be awesome because they're, they could be playing at home in a Super Bowl, which is, I don't, has that ever happened before? Uh, that has not ever happened before. No. So yeah, that, 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 that'll be pretty cool. I, I think, you know, it, it's going to be kind of the same situation that the Eagles are in on offense where you kind of want to mitigate these backyard football plays by Case Keenum and have them in a little bit more structured approach. Let me uh, switch over to the defensive side in just a second. But first, just want to let all our listeners know about the Purple Podcast Big Game Edition powered by Sprint. When it comes to Big Game Week, Judd and I will be talking about all things associated with the big game. And we want to thank Sprint for their partnership in this special edition podcast. To learn how you can get Sprint's incredible unlimited plan that includes Hulu, visit a local Sprint store today. Sprint works for me. All right, on to the defensive side. If you are the Minnesota Vikings, how do you get Nick Foles to throw an interception or get strip-sacked or have some sort of disaster? As much as Doug Peterson is going to try to cover up for all of his weaknesses, if there's one disastrous play, I think that the Vikings end up winning this game. Yeah, I think to get to, to force Nick Foles to do that, it's going to sound cliche, but you really do have to, to stop the run. and. The Eagles, they're they're going to get pretty creative with the running game. Uh, I mean, even last week they had two like high school single wing plays where they ran the ball back inside with Nelson Aguilar, uh, just to try to get something going on the ground. So I think if you can stop the run, which they should be able to, just because if the Falcons defense was able to do it, I don't understand why the Vikings defense wouldn't be able to do it, considering they're much better. 
uh, stopping the run than the Falcons are. Um, so you're just going to have to get Nick Foles in those situations where he's got to play from behind the sticks, you know, third and eight or second and 11, you know, those types of plays where it's a, it's a defined throwing down. Uh, and if you can kind of get the Eagles offense into a situation where they have to be predictable in terms of at least pass or run, that does eliminate a lot of options for you as a defense in terms of what Doug Peterson can throw at you. Now, like their pass game can still be tricky to defend just because they do run a lot of misdirection and stretch defensive horizontally and just try to get their playmakers in space because they don't want Nick Foles really throwing the ball downfield like that. But, uh, yeah, I think if you can stop the run, you, you definitely have the, the personnel and defense to match up with whoever the Eagles receivers are going to be. So uh, I, I wouldn't stress too much about this one, uh, at least from a Vikings defensive side. I think it's going to be more on both offenses in this game to do just enough to squeak out a win. You know, there's something that always, that comes to mind when I was watching the Falcons last week give up slant after slant after slant. It, it seemed like they were running that RPO or, or a play action, and there's the slant in the middle of the field, and it's open, uh, that – the Vikings defense has a couple of players that are playing three-dimensional chess who can adapt on the fly while they're out there without having to really be told to do it. Harrison Smith and uh, Terrence Newman specifically. It just feels like, to me, if they're running these slants over the middle of the field all the time, that one of those two guys is going to bait Nick Foles into throwing one that he shouldn't. Yeah, and uh, and that's really just, uh, I think, Getting one of those and getting an RPO interception is just going to be uh, about being disciplined, staying home, reading your keys, and you know just kind of throwing out all these cliches but playing sound fundamental football because those RPOs, they're kind of designed to get you uh, in a situation where the defense thinks it's a run and then you just kind of pull it out the running back's chest and you throw a slant right behind. Like That's how the Eagles were able to move the ball. I think they, had, they hit like five or six uh, in the second half, which was pretty – Pretty embarrassing if you're a Falcons defensive player, but I do think that the Vikings are better equipped because they have guys who've been around the block. Obviously, like Terrence, Terrence Newman and uh, All World Safety Harrison Smith, they should be able to do to do enough to mitigate those plays and and uh, slow down the Eagles' offense. I love that you worked in reading your keys. Like that's great. That's like this is this is it. John Madden is in <laughs> love with this game right now. Like th- this is why it's so fun for me because often we're talking about like if we were talking about the Vikings playing the Rams right now, it would be like look at it, this complex offense and all of these college schemes that are thrown in there and spread and all this stuff. But instead, we're talking about like yeah, you better read your keys and run the ball and win the battles in the trenches. It's um, I- I'm I'm enjoying that part of this being. <laughs> it feels just like such an old school. Uh, championship game. Um, let me ask you before I let you go, Charles. The uh, the other side of the ledger, not that Vikings fans would ever get ahead of themselves in the playoffs, as you can relate to as uh, being a, a Falcons guy. Um, Vikings fans assume that something is going to go wrong every time they're in the playoffs, and and may still even after the other day, they may say that the football gods are just messing with them by giving them a 61 yard touchdown to Stephon Diggs. Oh, I don't want to be jinxy jinxerson and start talking about who the Vikings' potential opponent may be, but do you give the Jaguars a chance against the Patriots? Yeah, definitely. Uh... I think that people who are just automatically writing this as a win for uh, the Patriots haven't 
watched that much of the Jaguars this year. I mean, yeah, they gave up 42 points last week, and people have always talked about their vaunted defense. But I think when you look back at what had to transpire for the Steelers to get 42, well, you know, you had that play to Martavis Bryant at the end of the half, uh, which, you know, it, it was just kind of the Jacksonville Jaguars, I guess, taking a nap on that last play of the half. And then you have to have two perfectly thrown balls to Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown while Big Ben's on the move uh, to get to get like just enough separation for uh, touchdown catches. And then at the end, you had that meaningless touchdown pass to Juju uh, that brought it to 42 points. So I, I, I don't even think that game was as close as the final score indicates. And if you can get to a spot where you you can rush with four. You, like we always look back at teams that were able to disrupt Brady, uh, like the Giants back in the day. They were able to rush four, or even the Ravens. Like if you can rush four and really get home, that's where you're going to have Brady. Uh, I guess kind of antsy in the pocket, and the, the Jaguars can definitely rush four and get home with Calais Campbell, um, Malik Jackson. Uh, Marcel Darius, Yannick Ngakwe, Dante Fowler. And then on top of that, you have uh, what I still believe is the best secondary in the league with guys like uh, Jalen Ramsey and, and A.J. Bowie. Like, they can match up with, with just about anybody. So if you can rush a passer like that and do just enough on the other side of the ball, uh, you know, I, I just don't buy people who are saying, you know, uh, Belichick is going to take away Leonard Fournette. You know, that that's... That's a lot harder than I, I think that most people are willing to say because we always look at how uh, the, the Patriots have been able to shut down the team's number one option. But, you know, if you have an awful run defense, which the the Patriots certainly do, it's going to be tough walking or trying to stop that Jacksonville run offense because they do have a great offensive line in terms of run block. And then Leonard Fournette, when he gets the head steam, he can, he can gash just about any defense. So uh, the fact that that's – the spread on that game is 10 points is or nine and a half points. is kind of ridiculous to me. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Jaguars go in there and beat the Patriots. Someone is going to have to explain to me why the Buffalo Bills decided to just trade their best players and Sammy Watkins goes to the Rams and he didn't have an unbelievable year, but it was good. And then uh, Marcel Darius, I understand that they had some issues with him, but the guy is for, a really, really, really good player. And you add him to that defensive line. It's just, it's just terrifying for other teams. Yeah, and I've I've talked about this a few times, but I feel like we're in a weird place where teams don't always get back the the I guess the resources that they need when they trade away somebody. You know, it's like in, in theory, uh, a second round pick for Sammy Watkins sounds pretty nice, but you don't you don't know what that second round pick is going to turn out to be. Or or in Marcel Darius's case, you're going to trade away a former. Pro Bowl defensive tackle for a six-round pick, like a punt gunner or somebody who might not even make your team. Like, that didn't make any sense to me. But here you, you have uh, the Bills are out the playoffs, but Ronald Darby and Marshall Darius, they're still playing. So uh, kudos to them. Yeah, I, I think that the Bills thought that they were going to be worse than they were. And yeah. they tried to pull some sort of, like, um, well, in hockey, this happens all the time. When you realize you're going to be bad, you just get rid of everything that's not nailed down. And baseball teams are doing that, too. Andrew McCutcheon just got traded, and so did Garrett Cole. It's like you say, okay, not going to be good this year, so we might as well be last instead of somewhere in the middle. But then the Bills end up making the playoffs. It's like, oh, 
oh, you could have used uh, Sammy Watkins, Marcel Darius, and, uh, well, their secondary was great anyway, but uh, maybe even Ronald Darby as well. But uh, I, I won't rant about that because I was just baffled by some of those decisions, just letting great, talented players go instead of trying to make the most of, of their talents. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I'm definitely with you with uh, with the Jaguars being a little more threatening. It's just... I think a lot of people can't get over the Blake Bortles factor, and he's not good, but maybe he's I mean, not he, he's, quite as horrendous as we say when we make jokes. I don't know. Like that 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 Bills game was only two weeks ago. Yeah, so. good point. Good point. <laughs> that was that was a Tebow game right there. Yeah, I mean it's so funny because I was talking about this today on Twitter where Blake Bortles he gets into these plays where it's actually kind of hard to defend him because like in a weird way. He's so unorthodox, like he has no idea what he's looking at. So, you know, he, and he's a guy that can run on you. You know, if you if you give him a crease, he, he's he, he's going to take that. And uh, uh, he, he's he's kind of like a backyard quarterback in a in a way. And I think that guys who have had success against you know Belichick and Saban are guys who can kind of play off beat a little bit, play off kilter a little bit. And uh, I don't know if Boros can play on beat. So that's going to be an interesting battle for uh, just to see. What chess to match the the Belichick puts together for Bortles and how Bortles just either avoids it completely or just gets devoured by it. Charles, might you say that he's sneaky athletic? No, I don't want to say he's sneaky athletic because <laughs> because uh, because because I mean I because I, I think that like Bortles ran a four eight at the combine and I don't think normal people understand like that's actually you're you're moving like at four eight like that's. That, that's nothing to really sneeze at in terms of what the average person is running. So uh, I, I think Bortles is a good athlete. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't know if I want to call him sneak athlete because I think he's kind of a running quarterback just because he he's not a good passer at all. And they did run a lot of like option stuff. So if Bortles can just kind of make some kind of lucky go happy, what in the world just happened plays, I think that the Jaguars will definitely have a chance. Well, he's run for fourteen hundred yards in four years. The sneaky athletic was, um, you know that. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill. I'm making fun of the broadcast. <laughs> Alex Smith, who's a phenomenal athlete, and it's yeah, you know, Andrew he's Luck, more athlete. athletic. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Andrew Luck. It, he's like Cam Newton with a crazy, terrible beard, and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, man, this is not a guy who's sneaky athletic. I think he's just a freak, and also probably you're only saying that because he's a white guy. But yep. uh, the same thing goes for for Blake Bortles. Well. Anyway, um, I will definitely circle back with you, Charles, and we'll talk again, especially when it comes to draft time. And you and I can do an entire podcast on how much we like Lamar Jackson, um, whose athleticism didn't get by anybody, weirdly enough. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, weird how it didn't just sneak by anybody. But, uh, yes, I, I think Bortles is a really good athlete, and I am... I don't know. How, I don't know for myself what to root for in that game because oh, Doug Marone is the coach of the Jaguars still, and I can't say that I was a fan of him when I covered him in Buffalo. But it would also be like, oh, really? The Super Bowl's in Minneapolis, and it's Blake Bortles. You know? No. See, the people who say it's Blake Bortles, no, it's not Blake Bortles. It's Jalen Ramsey. We right, just need. Right. We need a week of Super. We need like Super Bowl media day with Jalen Ramsey. That's that's. It's all we're looking forward to. Right. He is bringing the Deion Sanders to uh, this generation. Well, Charles, I appreciate very much your time. People should check you out on Twitter at, is it four verts? Is that a, is that a number four or is that a, the, like, F-O-U-R? It's, it's 
F-O-U-R. F-O-U-R. Okay. All right. So at four verts, four verticals, uh, Charles McDonald also. Football Outsiders, Setting the Edge, great stuff from him. And thank you all for listening to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.